Now, Frank, before we start the podcast this week, let's thank our amazing sponsor, Instabug. Now, if you don't know about Instabug, it's really important because I'm just wrapping up, you know, my development of an application and I want to get it tested. I want to get feedback, sort of my beta process. So I start sending it to testers that discover bugs. You know the process, Frank, emails and back and forth, or maybe they just don't send you anything. That's where Instabug steps in. It's an SDK that provides your beta app with a super intuitive bug reporting and feedback solution that helps you reproduce errors and iterate much faster. Now, what's cool here is it's not just for beta testing apps. Once you go live, you can continue to gather insights about your users, measure their satisfaction. You can send them surveys right in your application so you can rev over and over again and make a better application. You can send things like, you know, questions, star ratings, multiple choices, anything. Instabug is there for you. Now, it takes only minutes to integrate, and all you have to do is go to instabug.com slash merge to show support for Merge Conflict. And also, as a special bonus for listeners, you will get 20% off any plan when you use offer code MERGECONFLICT2019. And additionally, you can get a free 14-day trial. Go to instabug.com slash merge. And thanks, Instabug, for sponsoring this episode of Merge Conflict. In the early days of MonoTouch, Xamarin iOS now, the biggest question I always got was, what about performance? How fast can C-sharp possibly be on the iPhone? Did you ever get that question, James? Oh, when don't I get that question? I mean, we think about, well, is it, most people think of C-sharp as a jitted language. They think about garbage collection and kind of memory and then GC hiccups over and over again. And just the raw, uh, uh, fact that you're not going to the, the 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 pure APIs, you're not in the native language, or you're not in a in a C language. So I get this question all the time. Yeah, yeah, and I got it a lot too. And I never really knew how to answer it. The answer I usually gave people was, "It's fast enough," as in you're not going to notice the performance of the language. You're going to notice the performance of your algorithms, or you know, the UI itself updating that kind of stuff. The network is usually the bottleneck in most apps. And so I was always a little dismissive of the question, to be honest. But in the back of my head, I always knew the performance was always pretty good. <laughs> like, maybe not, you know, C level, everything's running at breakneck speed, but I never really had too much trouble with the garbage collector. And when I did have performance bugs, they were usually my fault. Uh, how did you answer the question? <laughs> uh, well, I said, you know, I think, you know, how I always explained uh, Xamarin, I think when I was choosing the platform, it was more of me just trying it out, using the API, testing against pure like native Java Lang versus C Sharp versus Objective C. So I went through those trials because, you know, seven years ago I was in picking a framework. So I had spun up um, Cordova apps, uh, Accelerator apps, and then Xamarin apps and the native language apps. And I was, per, you know, comparing their performance. Now, I wasn't building out a full application. This was more of a hello world, click a button, let me see the performance. And it was pretty spot on. I couldn't really tell anything. But nowadays, Frank, I tell the whole story of, well, you know, I, you know, Xamarin applications are native and they run natively. And if you look at iOS, everything goes through a full AOT compilation. We take your C sharp code, compile it down into IL code, compile it down one more time into byte code or bit code, one of the two, and then send it through an LLVM compiler and optimizer and bingo bango. 
And what's really cool now is it's not just iOS, as there's also an AOT compiler or a head of time compiler for Android, which is kind of bananas uh, to get that performance. Now, all of that said, Frank, all of that said, I've probably said it before on this podcast. I say the words. I understand most of it, but I don't really understand all of it. No. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I don't know if it's bytecode or bytecode off the top of my head either, because the general term is bytecode. For that reason, I think they probably went with bytecode. Yeah. .bc files. Everyone ignores them. Technically, if you look at your build step while you're compiling a Xamarin app, they're there, but everyone ignores them. You don't want to see that stuff. It's deep down, deep down. That's why you don't want to know. But I have noticed that um, the Mono AOT is getting a lot of love these days. As you said, um, it's available on Android now. Um, And the Blazor people have picked it up, and they're starting to compile their Blazor WebAssembly apps with it. The Uno platform, which is UWP WebAssembly stuff, uh, they're compiling with it. And I was at a conference recently, and they started showing some performance numbers. And they showed... um, Blazor running interpreted in uh, uh, in the browser, and it ran all right. You know, the app worked; everything was fine. But then they ran it on the desktop in .NET Core, and it was so much faster, so fast. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "Ooh, okay, I guess the interpreter is not lightning fast." But then they compiled it with this. Uh, I think it's uh, Preview or Experimental Support uh, AOT, where they're using the Mono AOT. And it ran faster than .NET Core. And everyone, there was a hush (laughs) over the room. (laughs) This is all available tech. This is all open source stuff. The Mono Mono has had AOT forever, but people don't know about it, I think is kind of the problem here. And the Mono AOT, as you described, is pretty amazing, mostly because it uses what Miguel Ding uh, calls the magical LLVM optimizer. James, tell me everything you know about LLVM. LLVM. Well, I know that we had to do a lot of work because uh, <laughs> we had our own LLVM type of stuff. And then at some point we had to do use the, the one that Apple is using or something. Uh, it is a compiler infrastructure project that is a collection of modular and reusable compiler <laughs> and tool chain technologies used to developer develop compiler front ends and back ends. That's what I know about it because I just Googled it and that's what the Wikipedia article says. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's really now, lovely. <laughs> what I know about it though, Frank, is that when I am building my iOS application, it's not doing LLVM compilation uh, because I'm going to a simulator. Now, when I go to a device or do a full, I think even for a device, I don't think it does it. But if when you go through the full packaging compilation, this is the part that takes a long time. That's what I know. And that's supposed to be like, this makes your app fast. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, Just going to the high level picture here. uh, You you said a great Wikipedia entry there. But um, the easiest way to think of LLVM is it's a super optimizing compiler and backend. So it optimizes, it can take code and make it fast, and it can emit stuff, which is like ARM and x86 and all that. It has a configurable backend, configurable front ends, super nice technology. So one thing is, usually I don't think LLVM is on by default if you do an AOT Xamarin app today. I think File New Project still has it off by default, mainly (laughs) because most people just don't need the ridiculous optimizations (laughs) that LLVM does. And as you said, it adds a great deal of time to the build time. 
Now, why does it add a great deal of time? Because it's a super optimizing compiler. It is digging through your code, looking at any little thing it can do. And I've had a lot of experience with it lately, and it's a pretty amazing technology. It's just anywhere it can find a shortcut, it will. Any any little trick you can think of, it'll apply it. Back in the day, people used to say, you know, someday we'll have optimizing compilers. And it's pretty amazing that for free, you can go download pretty much a state-of-the-art optimizing compiler, LLVM. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia article, and our good friend, friend of the show, Chris Latner, was one of the original authors behind it, which uh, people may not know, but worked at Apple. And then he did Swift as well, I'm pretty sure. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the the kind of the amazing thing about LLVM is it's cleanly written. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever looked at a compiler source code, but it can be sometimes very difficult to follow. We've had whole episodes about it, <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, I think it was Chris Latner's idea in school. He said, "Look, I'm tired of these poorly architected compiler things. It's really hard to write optimizers for them." He's a performance junkie, obviously, and uh, got approval from his teacher. I think did like a PhD on it. You know, I don't, I don't know if he has a PhD, but obviously did a lot of work on it. Wrote it. Um, so LLVM is this optimizer, but you need a programming language. So there's also the Clang. Uh, C compiler, C-L-A-N-G. And that's what Xcode uses to produce all their code. So all iOS code is compiled with Clang. And Clang is an LLVM um, subproject. I don't know how you want to think about it. Or just Mm. works with LLVM. So those are the big ones. But there are other languages. Like you said, Swift, uh, Fortran, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Uh, You know, any any front-end language, you could make any language output LLVM code, shove that through LLVM, and have it optimize and put it down. It's just a nice architecture. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia article, and it does say C-sharp, but that has a bunch of little articles to it. Uh, Common Lisp, CRISPR, CUDA, D, Delphi, Dylan, Fortran, Graphical G Programming, uh, Halid, Haskell, Java Bytecode, Julia, Kotlin, Lua, Objective-C, <laughs> OpenGL, Shader Language, Pony, Python, R, Ruby, Rust, Scala, Swift, Zojo, ActionScript, yeah. Ida, all the things. Well, actually, not We've... all the things. There's a lot more, but that's actually surprisingly <laughs> a lot that are su- supporting LLVM. Well, what it end. is is that everyone saw how, how powerful it was. <laughs> and we all said, okay, let's make our languages target that. And, you know, uh, throughout this whole episode, I keep saying C-sharp, but what we should be saying implicitly is .NET, any .NET code. So this includes F-sharp. Uh, this includes, is that, that's all we got. Oh, VB. Oh, don't forget about VB. VB, yeah. <laughs> so this can totally optimize VB code also. So my it's question, my question mm-hmm. then is, though, to interrupt you, I'm sorry, is, is what of the .NET, I guess, projects or anything have, have taken part of this LLVM and AOT scenario uh, and are about to, right? Because the only thing that I really knew for a longest time was the iOS stuff. And we had to do that because iOS applications are ahead of time compiled. And, and I thought that that was kind of a natural progression through it. So mm-hmm. is, are there other things that use it? I know you mentioned that, well, there's the WASM stuff with, uh, with uh, blazer that's going to support it and then uh, Android, but are there other things that are going to take advantage of this? 
Well, people can absolutely take advantage of it for their own apps and scripts. Um, in the data center, power is king. The less CPU you use, the less physical power you require, the more you can run. So anytime you're running a .NET app, it always benefits you to optimize the heck out of it. If it doesn't affect the logic or anything, absolutely. Otherwise, you're literally just burning electricity. And we don't do that in this modern era. Got it. Um, but you, as you said, uh, the big projects, I think we've already named, or at least the ones that I know. But this is definitely a technology that anyone can use. It's not a big deal. And it yeah, and a lot of that comes from, uh, and this this exists also in the Microsoft world as uh, what do they call it? .NET native, I .NET believe. .NET native. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, um, Xamarin and Mono, you know, all those folks, they had to solve so many problems because we customers of Xamarin iOS kept demanding that every feature of .NET work on this constrained AOT environment. And so it's just, you know, the years and years of bug fixing and progress on the mono side of perfecting this AOT. That's kind of what got us to this breaking point where it's kind of universally applicable to everything because it is powerful enough to run pretty much any app. Ah, interesting. So basically what you're saying is I should have this on by default no matter what. And then I should go tell the team <laughs> that's maintaining the the libraries or the templates to go make sure that this is on by default as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it only matters in the uh, end app, you know, the final executable. This doesn't apply to libraries or anything, but there are things that libraries have to take into account in AOT scenarios. We've talked about these for years. And the biggest one is uh, reflection emit. Uh, any library that required that just did not work on AOT. But now we've gotten news that, um, uh, the mono people have been working on the interpreters, so we'll be able to run uh, more and more things under AOT and hopefully someday reflection emit. So exciting times. The AOT has really advanced. But going back to everything, the real sweet spot is when you run that AOT with the LLVM. Um, and I did some recent experiments along those lines, and Miguel posted some numbers on Twitter, and I thought we could talk about those a bit. Yeah, he wrote a, uh, a tweet. It says, the amazing at Proclarum, that's you, wrote an LLVM. This is going to get real technical because I even got lost. Real nerdy, said, real nerdy, yeah. Wrote an <laughs> LLVM to IL, an intermediate language compiler, so he could stop shipping native libraries. And later, he measured the performance hit of C to LLVM to IL to LLVM to native, zero performance loss. Uh, and he said that this proves that every, what everyone already knew, that LLVM is pure magic. So what did you do? Yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> this was a hard tweet. I'd, I'd even parse this one fully. I had to read this one like three times. I did the work and I still couldn't quite understand. What <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, long story short, everyone knows I'm very lazy. And that laziness comes in many forms in that I'm willing to put in ridiculously hard amounts of work in order to avoid work in the future. <laughs> And do you remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about native libraries and pinvoke and yep. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you had said something along the lines of, geez, Frank, I, I was expecting you to have a more clever solution. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I was. I think yes. it, was a yeah, it was a throwaway phrase from you, but uh, I kind of took that to heart. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> James, why don't I have a more clever solution for any of this? And um, so I thought I'd spend three days on a little tool 
uh, that would compile C code into .NET code. So mm. if you have a library written in C, run it through Frank's magic tool, and out pops a .NET assembly. Shut up. What does that... Yeah. <laughs> and what does that buy you? That buys you cross-platform. Anything that can run .NET can now run it. So basically any C code you have, .NET can uh, run it. You're ridiculous. <laughs> uh, well, it didn't take three days. It did not take three days. Okay. At, at three days, I decided this is not going to take three days. <laughs> <laughs> I... um. And here was the problem, James. I knew that if I worked very, 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 very hard on it, that I could probably, maybe, possibly get it to work. But I had no idea what kind of performance hit it would have. And so the entire time I was working on it, I couldn't decide if it was worth the time. Yeah. Because I, I knew the amount of work it was going to be eventually. <laughs> and then there were still doubts of it, even whether it would be worth the work. You know, the final product It was one of those things that you wouldn't know if it was worth it until it was working. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, am I going to literally spend a year and a half of my life? And then it's like building an app and then nobody wants it, you know, or am yeah. I doing a year <laughs> yeah. and a half of work? And then I could have just done the thing that would have took me a day and, <laughs> and gone from there. <laughs> Right. It's that old thing of like, yeah, this is really tedious work. In this case, uh, compiling native libraries and bundling them all up and writing the P invokes. Yeah, it's annoying work, but literally it's a week tops of work. You know, there's it's a bounded amount of time. You know what needs to happen, all that. Whereas this thing, unbounded amount of time and questionable <laughs> benefits. <laughs> so did you finish it then? Or like wh what happened? I'm, I'm so curious because... Miguel said that you finished something, but, you know, uh, what happened? Yes, I did. Uh, so uh, three days turned into a month. But <laughs> at the end of the month, I had a working thinger. And uh, I was specifically focusing on a matrix library for iCircuit. At the core of iCircuit, it has to solve a linear algebra problem. And to do that, it has to do matrix operations very, very, very quickly. Mm. And so it was a library specifically designed to do matrix math very fast. So it had lots of pointers, lots of math, lots of opportunities for an optimizing compiler to optimize the heck out of it because it was already written to be fast and compilers could just make it faster. Gotcha. Super cool library. Yeah. So I was able to get that library to compile into .NET and direct from LLVM IR, that's LVM Intermediate Representation. That's what they call their bytecode, bitcode. We don't know what it's called. There's just so many names for it. That's the problem, okay? Just call that LLVM stuff. <laughs> and the tool converts LLVM stuff into .NET stuff, IL. And you just add it as a reference in your app. You get IntelliSense. You know, you get code completion. Yeah. All the functions are there. No P invokes, none of that stuff. And you just it, it just runs. Wow. And so, it, is it like a yeah. turns it into like what? Like a .NET standard library or just like. Yeah, man. Oh, wow. I admit .NET standard. Yeah. Keeping up with the times. So it has, it's a full .NET standard library. It has zero dependencies, which is a little tricky because uh, C programs still have library dependencies as in they have to allocate memory. So you have malloc, calloc, free, all that. You have all the string functions. Um, you have IO functions, you have 
um, socket functions, threading functions. The list just keeps going on and on. C programs, we always joke how cross-platform they are. We don't joke. We compliment it on how cross-platform it is. But the joke is uh, C programs make native system calls all the time, and you have to deal with those. So it's not just a matter of converting the logic of the application. It's also implementing the runtimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do have one question here because if this is now taking in the c code and then emitting a dotnet standard library what i'm used to having to do is let's say someone gives me like an so file and they give me you know they they give me like the header files they give me so files and then i have to write the p invoke stuff i guess you need the you need the actual source c code correct that's my first question or Yes. Uh, in general, I wrote it to be that way. You give it C code. Actually, C, C++, Swift, Fortran, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it can also take bit code, byte code, whatever LLVM stuff <laughs> we call it today. Mm. Um, a big chunk of my work on this was just reading the LLVM uh, bytecode format. It's complicated it's long you can imagine it's a description of an entire virtual machine so a huge chunk of this project was just reading their input so my program doesn't read c code all it does is run clang that c compiler i mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. it runs clang clang takes the c code outputs bit code i take the bit code output il output a net standard library wow okay so next question now what i'm used to here by the way, because I, I, we just published some brand new docs on C++ to use in your Xamarin apps. And I just did like a Xamarin show on them. And it was like, OK, so you write the the P invoke things that you need to and the descriptions. And then you need to embed the SO files or the, you know, native iOS libs. Do you still have to do any of that then? Or you're just saying, no, like no. literally it's going through the pure raw conversion and magically Frank's amazing and it just works. Pure IL, zero native references. The only references it has are to .NET standard. Um, n- nothing embedded. That's kind of what's so cool about it. You can disassemble it, you know, run it, run it through any of the disassemblers. And that's how I debugged it. I would have the C code to my left, and I would have the um, decompiled into C sharp code on my right. It was going through a million layers of conversion between them. But it was a simple visual comparison. Am I getting the decompiled as the same as the input? Fun. Oh, it was a fun project, honestly. <laughs> so, what, so what does this mean? This means if you have any uh, library written in C, C is the easiest one. Um, let's think about like libjpeg, libping, libav. You know, there's tons of old C code that we all put out there. Uh, OpenCV, all that kind of stuff. Um, that can just be shoved into a .NET, I mean, turned into a .NET library. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> I'm Thanks. just like, I'm kind of like, are you going to sell this or what is your plan here? <laughs> well, I've gotten that question a lot. Like at first I was going to open source it, but it has taken a lot of effort. And to make it actually globally useful, I, I'm taking a little shortcuts here as in I haven't implemented sockets. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that just don't work. Yeah. And I figured the amount of effort it would take for it to be a viable product is a lot. So it's a real question of do I want to do open source or sell it? I, I've, I've never sold a library or tool like this before. So 
not super comfortable doing it, but I'm just might. I just might because, you know, sometimes you want to get paid for all the work that you do. <laughs> it's true. You do, um, you do want to get paid. Um, but it sounds like what you proved, right? I don't know if we necessarily talked about it or maybe you did a little bit is you also then analyze that outputted .NET standard library to, to go to get back to the original one and say, like, is it actually up to snuff with just the old P invoking and doing the SO file and doing all that stuff or even with the raw C, C++ code? Like, how did you actually measure that, right? Because now that you've outputted the .NET standard library and you've done this magical Frank shenanigans to prove that, yes, it's all amazing and everyone should be LVMing everything under the sun and AOTing everything and everyone <laughs> should pay Frank a lot of money to do this you know like what what was your comparison i guess um yeah so this is the crux of it this is was any of this worth the effort mm. because what i'm essentially doing is trading developer productivity like my time for cpu time across the world mm. it's a weird trade-off right yeah if you think about it on those terms Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what what's my laziness worth to the world? How much wasted en energy am I adding to the world? Um, so I did lots of performance tests. The moment I got it working, I just started performance testing the heck out of it. And uh, we have basically three runtimes for .NET that kind of matter. We have the Mono JIT. We have .NET Core RyuJIT, cool name. And then we have the Mono AOT with LLVM. Those are kind of our big uh, technologies for running .NET code. So I have different performance numbers for each. Who should we go with, James? The winner or the loser first? Uh, let's start with the bottom. The loser. Hit me. The loser? All right. Mono JIT. Sorry, Mono. The Mono JIT is really amazing because the JIT itself is fast. It, it creates compiled native code very quickly. Mm. The problem is it's not very fast code <laughs> that it generates. <laughs> so um, the C code, we'll just say that, you know, that's going to be our baseline here. Uh, how fast can that run? Clang, optimize, 0, th uh, 03, you know, full speed. Let's test how fast can this code go. And when you compare that against the mono JIT, mono is two to three times slower. Mm. So an operation that took one second now takes two or three seconds. Oh, wow something yeah yeah not great so you know you just put in a month of work james pulling your hair out <laughs> reading compiler books reading computer science books because this stuff's hard and then you see that number and you're just like oh god i think i have to go back to native libraries because i can't trade <laughs> my developer productivity you know for two or three x that's just terrible yeah yeah Oh, and I should say I ran all this with uh, Benchmark.net. Shout out to Benchmark.net. Super cool little software. Super slow to run, but gives you pretty accurate numbers, which is nice. <laughs> I'm going to take a look at that. Um, and put that, put that in. That's an open source uh, .NET library for uh, benchmarking. Uh, yeah, it actually yeah. is open source. Very cool. And the cool thing is if you uh, run it on a machine that has Mono and .NET Core installed, it'll compare the two runtimes. Mm -hmm. So you can see how it runs on each one. Wow. Super fun. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then I ran it on .NET Core. Mm. You want to take a guess how much .NET Core slowdown? I want to say negligible. Maybe it adds 
0.25%, like like a quarter of a, you know, <laughs> like, well, yeah, I guess. It, oh, you're too generous. You're too, no, this is versus Clang optimized C oh, okay. code. So man. maybe like just 50% slower. Actually, you're pretty close. 60%. Oh, okay. Now, that's pretty good because we already know um, mono is 300%. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty good. 60% is a big deal. And honestly, um, this code itself is so much faster than the code I'm currently using. At that point, it was a usable product to me. That 60% over the C, that's fine. Yeah. Because it was already literally 20 times faster than the code I was already using. Got it. Yeah. So that 60% does not matter. So that is great news. That means that the .NET Core JIT is only 60% slower than Clang LLVM fully optimized code. I mean, that's, that's really impressive. That's good for a JIT. For a JIT. Yeah, I was going to say now, now remember everyone, like that's for a JIT. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> for a JIT. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're always working on Ryu JIT too. And now I should, there's a huge caveat here. A JIT is only as good as the code that it's given. And although I read a lot of computer science textbooks and everything, I am not emitting the most perfect code ever. Mm -hmm. It is, I could do optimizations in my own compiler that would relieve a lot of burden on the JIT and enable it to do a better job. Got it. Uh, someone just had a nice blog entry where they hand converted some C code to C sharp. So not using a tool like I did, but just line by line, <laughs> type it all in, which is actually something I was thinking about doing for this library too, until I saw how many lines of code it was, and then I gave up. Um, so that was a valid technique. And I think he found that there was only something like a 15 to 20% performance difference. Oh, wow. So that's pretty good. Yeah. But that's handwritten, you know, not through a tool. Yeah. So that I kind of think of it like my tool has a 30% overhead. Unfortunately, I could do better. Okay. All of that to lead up to the final point. <laughs> Let's run it on Xamarin iOS on an iPad. You know, the scenario that I actually really, really care about. AOT, LLVM. And you know what the performance was? Immeasurable. <laughs> Could not tell the difference between the C code and the .NET code, which is just amazing. Wow. That's really impressive. So that means uh, that our Xamarin iOS apps, if we wrote it in the style of a C app, which, you know, we don't, but <laughs> we use IoT and we use reflection and all that. But if we were to constrain ourselves to a C-like language, we would be running at the same performance as Xcode, anything Swift, you know, basically anything that goes through the LVM chain. And it's just so to the question that we used to get in the very beginning, what about performance? I can now kind of with a straight face say there's zero performance overhead. It's not true. We have a garbage collector. It's technically doing things in the background and a few other things. And like I said, it all depends on your style. But in a C style, there is zero performance overhead. Yeah. Bit for bit for byte, they are one to one, basically. Yeah. We, in other words, we programmers add all the inefficiencies on top of that. Uh, again, for our own convenience, we use reflection instead of code generators for our convenience. We do so many things for our convenience. We use a garbage collector because none of us want to deal with remembering who allocated that memory. And therefore, we take a little bit of a, a, little bit of a performance hit. Yeah. Uh, but it's such a relief for someone like me who does think a lot about performance. <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> to just have like hard numbers in front of me 
Yeah. It, no, it, no, I think you're right. I mean, it, it comes down to for years. Okay. For years, people, people have asked me and I've seen all of these, you know, metrics and performance analysis of all the different cross-platform languages and cross-platform uh, frameworks that are out there and they're like this and that and everyone's running their own tests. And people always ask me and they, they would say this about performance. I go, you know, performance is really hard to measure. Like, what are you measuring? Are you measuring, you know, date time conversions? Are you iterating over things? Like, is your code one-to-one between the two? And I think what yours says is, hey, listen, if you're writing it to the raw C API and write the same C-sharp code uh, on, on an iOS, those are going to run those are going to run the same at the end of the day. Yeah, that's it. It, 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 cle- it created a clean baseline. I mean, there are still technically the inefficiencies of my compiler. Yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing was LLVM is so intelligent, it burnt through those inefficiencies. I know for a fact I'm doing some things wrong. <laughs> but somehow it's just like, I'm magical. I'm just going to ignore all your mistakes and do what I think is right. Yeah. God, I love good technology. <laughs> <laughs> I love good technology that works. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, so was that uh too too technical? How how was that? <laughs> I think it's perfect. I think I now understand a little bit more of exactly what you did. Uh, I understand a little bit more of, uh, you know, when I say the words, what it means, and how I could. Now I think you know it only took us ten years to get this point where we can now say it with a straight face. <laughs> but I think we've been preaching it for ten years. But uh, now you can actually have that hard data behind it. It only took Frank. A whole month to to come up with his little technology to to put it to put out. Now you're going to be writing a blog post about this, or, or are you, how are you going to be telling the people about this? Besides the, the podcast yeah, that everybody yeah. listens uh, to, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yeah, I'll definitely do a blog post. I've been meaning to work on it. Uh, Miguel just got ahead of me, and I just like ah, oh, whatever. Let's talk about it. And uh, whether I decide to charge for it or not, I'll definitely have a free version of it that people can just at least play around with with small libraries. Oh, cool. Uh, because I think it is good technology. And if you do have a little bit of code that you think would do better if it was written in C, then just throw it in. Yeah. If I charge for it, I'll just make it for big uses, probably. Very cool. Or yeah, like some sort of enterprise. Like, you know, JSON.net forever was free. And then they had like the, it is weird selling yeah. libraries and a bunch of other things, you know. Yeah, it's awkward. But, you know, sometimes you just want a little bit of <laughs> recognition. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Like, I, I think it's, you know, I write a lot of libraries and, you know, people have bought me coffees, which is amazing. And I, and I, you know, I appreciate everyone. And that has ever, you know, really, truly supported me in anything that I, that I, that I did. Uh, and I never really thought that it's like, oh, I had, I had a library worth, you know, putting a paywall in front of like that, you know, I knew it was going to help people, but it's like, oh, you know, I, you know, feels good for the community where it's, you know, in this instance, you can see the use cases of I'm a huge oil conglomerate and I want to run all of the C plus plus code in.net and I need to rev it and I don't have, years to to do the conversion layer or go through swig or swag or all the other conversion tools and this and that you know it's a lot of a headache right so uh something like this makes a lot of makes a lot of sense uh for that like enterprise supported scenario but crazy that's amazing frank you're amazing i also want to get that uh swift support working because then maybe we could get some some swift libraries on ios that'd be nice That would be pretty, pretty cool. Now that would just be pretty nice core Swift logic. It wouldn't be iOS logic, I guess. 
it could be either or because in the in the native world all you say is there's an external function out there with a name on it <laughs> you know whatever it actually is i get to i get to choose mm. i'm in control <laughs> does that mean you can bring ui kit to the world oh let's not go there there's way too many legalities with that <laughs> moving on moving on <laughs> all right well uh i will put a link to all the lvm goodness in the show notes and everything else that frank talked about i'm, I'm mind blown anything else you want to talk about on this topic no that's funny Th- thanks for letting me talk about yet another one of frank's libraries slash tools editions of merge conflict i mean that's our show at the end of the day let's be honest frank way better at life than me and development so it is your show my good friend and i appreciate uh-huh. all of the hard work that you do uh not only in the community but just the crazy challenges apparently i feel like i, I feel like i was the real reason that this came about but uh you're welcome really i listen to you it's unfortunate that I listen to you so closely. I really should learn to ignore you better. <laughs> well, you know, that's why we're best friends. So because I listen to you <laughs> and you listen to me and people also tend to listen to us. And um, I appreciate all of them. You can, you know, find our podcast at mergeconflict.fm. You can follow us on Twitter at mergeconflict.fm, at Proclarum, at James Montemagno. One thing we did want to talk about before we get out of here, talking about .NET is our good friend John Galloway, part of the .NET Foundation, has been tweeting a lot about these elections. Now, the .NET oh, yeah. Foundation. Yeah. Do you know about the .NET Foundation? Yeah. I, well, I was, I've always been a little bit behind. I've never fully understood it. I think we've mentioned that on the show here. But it's uh, a foundation that helps, what say, finance slash support uh, very important projects to the .NET community. And they're having an election this year because up till now it's been kind of a Microsoft control board, but they're opening it up to the community and they, we have people running for offices. Let's call them offices. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. They, so they support a bunch of projects, uh, user groups, meetups, they're a nonprofit, um, support a whole bunch of active projects over 462, uh, you know, repositories on GitHub. And yeah, so there's elections. So election.netfoundation.org. The candidates, there's a bunch of them. There's like, you know, 50 of them or so. People are running to be on the board. There's a bunch of seats. Uh, you do have to be a member of the .NET Foundation uh, to do so. Uh, I'm I'm not. I should probably look into that. You know, it's not that not I'm that not hard. either, but it looks like the qualification is that you had to have contributed to one of the, what'd you say, 500 different libraries out there. Mm-hmm. Chances are, if you're active at all in open source, you probably did. So it's just a matter of looking through the repositories now. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I have. I mean, if you've done anything in the Xamarin ecosystem, they're probably, they're probably in there too. Okay, so cool. um, yeah, <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, so there's every year they'll do it and they serve for a year uh, and and they help kind of lead the future of where the .NET Foundation is going to go. And they each have a little page. I'll put it in the show notes, not only to the .NET Foundation, but also to the election. Now, the elections run until the 28th. So since this is out on the 25th, we wanted to kind of let everyone know uh, if you're yeah. listening to the very end. Very cool. It's our community duty, I think. It's really nice that um, the community is getting really involved in running this thing. Uh, it's exciting yeah. times. I think so, too. Yeah, head over to election.netfoundation.org to learn more. And, of course, head over to mergeconflict.fm to, you know, subscribe to the show, share it with a friend, tell everyone about how, you know, you flipped on LLVM in your app and now everything's amazing. You're like, whoa, so cool. (laughs) Thanks, Frank and James. Uh, And, of course, if you want to become a Patreon supporter, you can go to our Patreon supportage little tab up there and 
If you just want to come chat with us, head over to our Discord. There's a link on mergeconflict.fm. That's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. Thanks again to Instabug for sponsoring this week's pod. And that's going to do it. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.